0: born to serve. My eyes see injustice, my hands work for change, my tongue sing the sorrow of my heart, of my heart. the love of Allah combined with hope, oh. let's hold hands as we make a start.
1: Oh.
2: Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah.
0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum. A beautiful and warm welcome to you, respected listener of Radio Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM. I'm your host, Muhammad Sheikh, and welcome to yet another edition of Born to Serve, a magazine program inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where He tells us and informs us He will create a vicegerent, a khalifa, on this dunya. Alhamdulillah, we've had such an eventful Past few weeks with different occurrences happening across South Africa and internationally more recently of today, yesterday rather, uh, you know, different highlights in terms of violence etc. But nonetheless, we are here to educate and inform you with regards to being a prosperous leader in your life, in your home, in your community and in the, as being part of the Ummah of Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam we begin our discourse this afternoon of this beautiful magazine show by welcoming a very distinguished and honorable guest who is familiar to the uh, airwaves of Voice of the Cape as well as a prominent figure in um, our Western Cape community and he happens to be the Vice uh, dean of the faculty of education research at the university of stellenbosch we have with us respected listeners professor aslam fatar professor aslam assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi
2: Wa alaykum as wa Muhammad Shukran and thank you for uh, this wonderful program and this wonderful opportunity. It's
0: only it's only a pleasure professor, we say a big shukran a heartful shukran to you for availing yourself and taking the uh, time out to be with us this afternoon and suffice to say, uh, I mean Stellenbosch University being a student there myself, you know it brings some kind of prestige attached to it but nothing more than uh, you know the leadership position which you hold uh, as part of the university. But before we get into this uh, whole discussion of yours, perhaps maybe you could walk us through your journey growing up. Tell us a bit about your childhood, family upbringing, etc.
2: Okay, MashaAllah, Muhammad, I, I value the opportunity and at the same time, just want to emphasize to the listeners that I'm just an ordinary person uh, trying to make an ordinary contribution that <laughs> stacks, stacks up over one's lives into something that one can call
0: Akbar. a contribution,
2: mm. alhamdulillah. That's all. I'm trying to make a contribution. Most definitely. I was born in the mid-1960s, mid to late-1960s in District 6, mm. um, and then um, uh, grew up uh, because of, of forcible removals to grassy Park. In 1971, right. I attended. Uh, I attended, in fact, my uh, first year while we were living in Glassy Park. I attended primary school at a school called the Muir Street Primary School okay. in District Six, right? Mm-hmm. And this school was attached to the Muir Street Kanemia Masjid, as you, as we popularly call it.
1: Okay. Um,
2: and I remember having classes uh, in the basement of that masjid uh, sub a, and I remember my teacher. Miss Adams, uh, whom I mm. met, mind you, the other day. Yes. Uh, so many years ago, mashallah. So that is, um, and then we moved to, to Grassi Park, which was, uh, you know, Grassi Park was uh, for someone from District 6, basically a rural. Mm. Well, it wasn't quite rural, but yes, yes. it was. We were living um, sort of um, on farmland, mm. and as, as it was domesticated uh, at that time for houses. Right. So we were living amongst very really poor communities in a place called Kuk Sabos.
1: Hmm.
2: I don't know who Cook was. (laughs) It was indeed a boss. And a a little housing scheme on on, on the other side of Plantation Road, on the other side of Parkwood, emerged called Montague Gift Estate.
0: Mm, okay. that is where
2: left. My father was the uh, khalifa, the mu'allim mashallah. of the area for 25 years in his little house
0: Subhanallah. And I
2: went to school at Plantation Primary School Which was two and a half minutes away It was on my border of my house And the high school I went to Parkwood High Which was about a kilometer walk away from our house, mashallah okay. And by 1983 um, I had matriculated and then gone on to the University of the Western Cape Mm. where in some other way I was associated with this wonderful university until 2009, first as a student, right. then as a part-time student, and then as a part-time lecturer, then as a full-time lecturer right up to a senior lecturer, associate professor, professor in 2009. Alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah
0: subhanallah.
2: That is a, oh yes, and then I moved to Stellenbosch. You're, you're the place that you were studying at in 2009, and I'm now there for six and a half years. Alhamdulillah.
0: Allahu Akbar. So, uh, you know, I find this intriguing—the concept of you know studying full time and then part part time after. I think as one ascends the corporate environment and you know this whole um, uh, awe associated with post grad studies, etc. One becomes uh, mesmerized with just giving that part time opportunities to studies. But uh, as we know, you know uh, education stems from the cradle to the grave, as Professor probably would uh, inform us as well. Some of your childhood memories that strike out, you know, especially in that time, some value. That you perhaps learned that you could share with our listeners as being a true leader someday, inshallah?
2: Well, Alhamdulillah, having grown up from the time I remember in as now let me call the colloquial word, uh, forgive me if I offend you, but it's <laughs> slums of school. Okay. Slums of school was another forecalm and another Ah. And my father was doing basic things that slums of school caliphs do, and that is teach children to recite the Quran, and to teach children the rituals, and to teach children basic tawheed and basic akhlaq. And other
0: Subhanallah. Basic. Mm. He, had,
2: he had a very interesting, what I know later, uh, the big word was called pedagogy, you know, teaching. Yes. And, and, and this is what everyone did, and that was uh, explanation, memorization, and recitation. So, mm.
1: explain
2: the, uh, the concept, have the child memorize the concept, and then the child must recite the concept.
1: Okay. And as
2: you Explain, memorize, and recite, and then imbibe it. You take it on. Mm. Then you also, also, in a sense, you know, Islamic education is about knowledge, but it's also about disciplining the soul, disciplining the body. Absolutely. So you take it on your body. And when you walk out of the madrasa, mm. uh, um, you are a, a Muslim child with a very firm identity. Um, and and I had the privilege of growing up in a house where he, for 25 years, taught maybe about. Five hundred to seven hundred children in that multiple area
1: mm.
2: so that sat that sat with me that that was my foundation as makes let's say that's so awful
1: mm. love so
2: if you pull a if, if you pull a direct line from that to where I am now in a faculty of education mm. involved in uh, research into teacher education and yes. in the training of teachers and postgraduate uh, students in education it comes from there so some, some, someone basically one day described me as a very good teacher in fact uh, uh, I think so. That's the one thing I do very well. Mm. And w- where do I get it from? I get it from uh, just being in my father's house who, as he was teaching madrasa, and making sure that everyone can for example, can <laughs> it mm. um, and 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 can basic can adab, and so on, and know yes. how to transfer a message across. You know, mm. you can use a big word, and I, and I love big words, but right. uh, in the way you use the big, in the same sentence we explain the word. No, that that is very, really lovely. Mm. So, so that's my. Ex- Powerful memory, right? Right. What if I should give you your two other memories?
0: Go for it. Go for it, Bismillah. Okay, so
2: the one other memory is sport. Eh?
0: Mm. Oh, okay. okay.
2: Right. So we played sport uh, from the time we could walk, right? Mm. So what kind of sport was it? Sport, anything that moved, a stick or a stone or a brick or a, <laughs> or a you know a piece of uh, uh, bottle, plastic bottle that we put um, 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 with um, rags in and so on. That was our rugby ball and so on.
1: Asha so we Allah. played
2: sport uh, on our field in the bush sometimes and then we we, 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 we organized our own sport and eventually mm. we joined the soccer club, uh, uh, cricket club in Weinberg on the Kippen district and I played for two or three teams over there I met uh, so many different people. So sport in my, mm. throughout my life, wonderful, beautiful the most be- best memories. So,
0: so that's the second Allah. one. Mm. But
2: um, uh, Brother Muhammad, uh, in 1980, something very, very important happened in the life of, of, of children in high schools.
1: I
0: right.
2: Standard 6 or standard seven, standard seven. Mm. Um, and 7. Um, and it was the big school boycott. I shall yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. What the big school
2: boycott was for me, I don't know why. I still have to <laughs> understand why I took to it so much. Right. But, um, uh, we basically brought the school to a standstill in 1980 because of the demand for, to get rid of Qatar education. Mm. And we implemented something called alternative education, and the SRCs that were established right. at schools, uh, mm. a committee of 81, with the representative of the SRCs of all schools. Mm. Remember I was in Standard 7, and we, for three months, mm. I was on the SRC as a young young person, right. we ran the schools.
0: Subhanallah. So we,
2: where were the teachers. The teachers were in the staff room.
0: Sure, that okay. was part
2: of, of this boycotting whether that was a good or a bad <laughs> thing you know, whether you put your teacher in a staff room good or bad, you know, there's some bad tools I suppose, looking at it through today's eyes mm. but then we took the school over and we had what was called educational programs and for the first time we didn't simply uh, accept that we were going to rote-learn the apartheid curriculum Right. so the apartheid curriculum came through textbooks and the teacher taught that on mm. the syllabus and then we had to road learn it. And if you were a very good memorizer in the road you could pass the test and the exam, and those kids um, went to start, start tenants so on. Right. The rest dropped out and went to, for apprenticeship, so they dropped out and became, uh, went and, so mm.
0: and
2: so on. Right. But what we did was that we designed alternative curriculum.
1: Sure. Right. Okay. So,
2: for example, we watched film, we listened to music, we read alternative literature. Right. And then we would discuss it by ourselves. We would, uh, we would, uh Appoint, appoint uh, young. Uh, well, and nine, and ten leaders to take the juniors through
0: mm. and critically
2: discussing it. So this is not rote learning anymore. Yes, yes, this yes. This was was just a really dialogical uh, education. We were dialoguing, mm. and while we were dialoguing, we were dialoguing ourselves into an identity, and that was a questioning identity. Alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah.
1: And we became
2: questioning people as a result of that. And then we went to university, and that and that got further. And so. So these moments of struggle and activism starting in, in uh, when i was 12 years old and uh, into the university into school we also established many clubs in those clubs ourselves in fact that's where i got most of my organizational ability running a debating society for three years and running a chess club for the school for three years without mm. any teacher and we played with other schools literally at the age of 15 16 and 17 until matric and then we would go subhanallah do the the trials It was also run by 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 pupils but the wonderful mr ritchie from from Harold Casey would run that every year. And we would every year go there and take 10 of our kids with, And we would take it ourselves. We would, we would raise, I mean, a beautiful memory in Standard 7 was when we uh, had a fundraising campaign and bought each Standard 7 person, here, uh, well, maybe about 100 of them, a dictionary, Oxford Pocket Dictionary.
0: Hmm, okay. So we were
2: into educating ourselves in a big way. And that, those three memories shocked me.
0: Oh, Allahu Akbar Interesting memories from, if I had to summarize Basically fingers, heart and soul muddled into many pies for the benefit of the community Professor Aslam, inshallah, could you maybe perhaps just hold for us We'd go for a quick ad break and we'll continue when we come back Born to serve My eyes see justice, my hands work for change My tongue sing the sorrow of my Welcome back, respected listeners of Radio Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM, with your host, Mohammed Sheikh. We have with us online the Vice Dean of the Re- Research Education Faculty at Stellenbosch University, Professor Aslam Fatar, joining us and being our profile guest this afternoon, telling us about his life. And various, um, you know, memories that channel through him to where he is today. So, Professor Aslam, we welcome you back again. Um, you mentioned previously this notion of taking over the school, you know, uh, in those times, or rather, providing an alternative curriculum for the benefit of students therein, uh, and not something that was restricted to a staunch apartheid structure. Let's draw a parallel to current-day uprisings or protests that happening through universities. but The, the, the focus of universities is more channeled towards the funding rather than the actual curriculum. Yeah. Do you think we've progressed enough in terms of curriculum that our focus should only be funding?
2: No, we haven't. Um, in the last um, 20 years, mm. we have as a country experimented with a couple of curriculum changes. Right. And don't you remember the dreaded outcome-based education? Yes, curriculum?
0: yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Right, which uh, really confused the education system and put us back. Mm. The reason why it put us back was that it was a curriculum that was driven by concepts that wasn't educational, educationally sound. You know.
0: Yes, yes. When
2: you uh, try to and and when your heroes who didn't properly understand these concepts tried to explain to people because they had to and that was their job,
1: mm. it confused
2: people further. And so. There was a whole contestation about getting rid of outcomes based education uh, over 10 years. And eventually we did. And then we introduced a curriculum called the CAPS curriculum.
1: Okay. CAPS mm, curriculum CAPS. is currently
2: in schools. It's a second, a second version of it. And basically what it is was to say that we will prescribe a very narrow, narrow, watered down curriculum for teachers to teach. We will tell them how to sequence the, curri- sequence the curriculum in their classes, how to base it, how to, then how to assess it. and I think, in that process, we've lost something we've gone back to a road learning approach, and this is what we sit with in schools at the moment, and we are so and we are so concerned with getting this examination results up. Mm. That we think that this curriculum is going to produce that, uh, the, those examination results yes, but it didn't and we're still sitting with a problem in the country about education, knowledgeability, mm. becoming critical thinkers, understanding the world in. And developing the skills and capacity, intellectual capacity to live in that world. Yes. And um, uh, throughout 21, 20 years of curriculum experimentation, we have really not gotten there. And I think what we got, um, what, what we, the struggle that we're confronting at university is fundamentally that, and that is how mm. do we develop a curriculum in schools and universities and colleges Right. It really challenge people, really provide them the skills and intellectual capacities to think through life, to think through uh, the, the competence they need to, to work to play,
1: to mm. interact,
2: to build communities, and so on and so forth. So the students are, are, have placed on the agenda something called decolonizing the curriculum.
1: Mm. Okay. That,
2: that's, a, that's a slogan, right? But it, it, it means something. It means mm. to say We've got to think beyond colonial education. We've got to think about education that really kind of emancipates us and provides us intellectual capacity to move forward productively and to solve the problem, big problems in our lives. So we are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the students have forced us to do this, and uh, you know, I, I you know, I've been experimenting with this in my class since since since, since I started teaching. Uh, why? Because I had the experience of the 1980, 1981, 1983, 1984, 1985 at UWC with right. alternative curricula. Mm-hmm. So these things came to me second nature, right? Okay. Now I don't want to say I perfected it. I don't want to say I'm successful. But mm-hmm. what I am saying is that I am doing it. And what I Absolutely. am doing is that I'm requiring my students to read. Mm. I'm requiring my students to build their imaginations. I try to model how you ask good questions, ah. and I try to model how you answer those good questions, mm. and I try to model what it means to be a, a person who can stand and uh, develop a, an intellectual capacity that moves that person forward to make connections. And What are those connections? To community, to society, to family, to industry, to work, and to kind of work, figure out how to live his or her life Uh, That's also a good life,
1: Mm. Uh, informed
2: by by serving people and serving Allah, serving uh, all kinds of communities, not just his own family, but also his family, serving the neighbors. And that kind of generosity of spirit Mm. comes out of an imagination of a world that can be better. Right. And so we've been doing that, I've been doing that, and many other people have been doing that, but systemically in the system, across Mm -hmm. universities and across schools. We've been struggling with that, and perhaps we've lost that,
0: and the students are reminding us to get it. Subhanallah. Yes, indeed, the curriculum. Uh, What I find important, or rather, that runs, uh, you know, coherently with education itself, is uh, the concept of character, of moral building, and uh, you know, value systems. Uh, Generally, as Muslims, we are we are thought that you know our education in terms of character building, etc., is nurtured from the home, and I think it's it's a general notion that is accepted in most households however today we find a distinguishing factor that can actually manipulate this in the form of technology where technology dictates you know the lives of our children uh, everything is television based everything is uh, you know off the internet etc uh, do you see this as a problem in terms of you know those external factors such as character etc
2: it would become a problem if it is let me use a silly word disembodied from educational processes if Okay. If it stands loose from the other more important things,
0: mm.
2: right, technology is an Allah-given capacity,
0: Subhanallah,
2: right, mm. that we uh, that we are able to design and research and develop in service of human advancement, right. that's how you have to see it, but technology can be extremely destructive mm. in the way we adopt and become slaves to its rhythms, impulse and pace and so on, because it rules us, and we don't have rule over it if we, if we don't embed it, if we don't put it as part of a bigger set of ideals. So in education, my example, muhammad hmm. has been, okay, now, uh, I sometimes o- o- also um, get caught up in, in Facebook too much, and I sometimes get caught <laughs> up too much in my emails as well. Right. I also get reprimanded for uh for, for, for you know for being uh, you know get caught up in those things
0: uh, May I ask is it the minister of home affairs at home that reminds you
2: well it's <laughs> uh, absolutely not just minister of home <laughs> affairs but uh, we have this interesting conversation at home about technological use ah okay because you all are aware of it, but we all transgress it. So we all are in the, on each other's case. But at least we have that conversation, right? In other people's homes, yes. perhaps that conversation is not is not quite it's there. Quite there, yes. Now, in my upbringing, mm. um, out of my home, as you correctly say, that's where education starts first. Into right. my environment, into my into my act- activity with, with other people three or four connections have to uh, were made. Firstly, is that um, I, I wrote a couple of pointers down here. Is that oswatun hasanah.
0: Ah, masha'Allah.
2: You know, for me, that is the fulcrum of education. If you, mm. can, if you can educate by good example, yes, simply by watching other people do something that's higher, that's good, mm. and that is emulatable. In other words, you can you can you can you can basically take inspiration from it and do it like that. Right, and that is what we should strive to be. So, I had many, 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 many good examples that they weren't preaching to me necessarily; they were mm. just being themselves. And I wasn't necessarily watching them consciously, but right. I was in their company. Mm. Right. So, so we should never forget that. That that when we have children around us, we have to we have to uh, behave ourselves in such a way that they take they they watching us and can take inspiration from us. And we often Absolutely. forget that. We often lose our cool. <coughs> we often uh, we often start shouting. We often forget to uh, ask how are you and mm. let's talk and let's just be civil with one another. We often forget that because we're so under pressure. And then we uh, then we become just too rough. But
0: Absolutely. we don't
2: set a good example to a five-year-old, for example. Right?
1: Mm. So
2: that, that for me is, is the first thing. The second thing for me has always been in education, mm. is that you have to cultivate the ability to work with literacy.
0: Ah.
2: Now, I say literacy is because I don't want to say reading. For me, it was a reading. Right. I read anything that moved. Mm. I read okay. the back of a the a, 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 a porridge porridge box. Mm. I did the back of, uh, and and the newspapers, one thing that my dad did, he brought a newspaper home every day or every second day, which he found at work, for example, and he would bring it home, and um, there would be magazines. And, of course, in our home, as in many Muslim homes, by the way, there are what we call kitabs.
0: Yes, yes, definitely.
2: Kitabs from Amin Fakir, kitabs from uh, Abdurrahim Salih, kitabs of... Uh, various local, uh, lo- lo- local scholars, and they would be laying around in the house, and you would eventually pick it up, mm. and you would start reading it, and you would talk to each other, and so on. So, so, and in and that is why we become, we become very thick-centered, mm. because os deem very right? And right. we are exposed, and a can inside and outside is fikk, or by liquor. Mm. And there's a logic to it, and we also develop a logic and an argumentation around that, and so on. So leave the thick alone, but the logic and the argumentation remains. The thick then okay. guides your life. Right Definitely Seamlessly And so, um, so 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 that's the second thing eh? So it's about reading But people I want to concede mm. I think there are Different literacy Instruments nowadays Right So it's not just Reading books It's also mm. reading Your technology It's reading uh, Kindles it's reading on computer. I watch my son. My, 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 my daughter is a book reader. My son is a technology reader. But he, <laughs> both of them are equally proficient in reading, but they get to the reading in different ways. Right. Mm. So literacy. Right? The third thing is uh, learn by doing. Uh-huh. You know, amal al you know, uh, Yes. You know, you've definitely. got to go out there <clears> and you've got to do the good thing. And then when you do the good thing, you're going to make mistakes. Mm. And when you make the mistakes, you adjust. And you learn from other people about making those mistakes, about how you have made the mistakes. And then you can adjust and so on. So
1: mm.
2: when I stand at this part of my, of, of my life and career. I am in a position to interact with, with younger people. Mm. And when they do, I can comment, or I can give advice, and so on. And then I still, I still have very much many older people who also provide commentary to, uh, uh, to ourselves. We always have to be open to two things right. when, we act, when we are active in, in, in doing stuff, right? Mm. And that is, we've got to uh, be, establish a conversation by which we can learn and which you can teach others. Mm. And, and, and that, for me, seemed to have worked very well, those three or four principles about how you educate yourself for life. Mm. But in my case, um, as in many other people's cases, and you alluded to it, uh, well, I uh, did a BA and a, an a, and a HDE, then a higher education education diploma. Okay. I finished that and I studied part-time from then on, right through. Mm. While I was working as a teacher, young teacher, as a junior lecturer, as a lecturer, until two thousand, when I had all of that behind me, yes. that takes a that takes a uh, love for day. it, eh? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not easy to. I can imagine, uh, um, and so on. But eventually, you do that. Alhamdulillah. So, alhamdulillah, so that that was what what pushed me, you know, up this ladder called the educational ladder. To a PhD. And
0: hmm, SubhanAllah, yes indeed. You know, climbing up that uh, ladder or that yeah. brink of education and never restricting it to, uh, you know, I've already got this behind me, so there's a limit to it, I can imagine. Um, professor, you know, I find it. Uh, when people generally interact with educationalists or, uh, you know, people within the education fraternity, especially because it's knowledge and transfer of knowledge, there is somebody that generally stands out, you know, as being your uh, role model or inspiration for, uh, you know, continued success. Um I'm not certain if it is the Homely Minister of Foreign Affairs, or, I mean, Home Affairs, sorry, or is it uh, somebody in particular that you, that you really aspire to be like?
2: There are a couple, and, and, and I'm going to go very quickly through them, so mm-hmm. i can take all of them. <laughs> okay. um, if I were to write my book, I would have one chapter in there, Those Who Educated Me. Uh. So you are correct. Um, I have been married to my wife since... Since, since late childhood, 22 years old. Right? MashaAllah. My wife was 20 years old. So we, we have now known each other more than we've known anyone else, right? <laughs> and that she was a final year BA student, and I was doing my honors. Okay. Uh, Part time. So whatever she became, she's doing a PhD, now it's almost Alhamdulillah. done. Alhamdulillah. Whatever I became, it was in conversation with each other. So we learned from each other, and then eventually our children as well. So that was an ongoing conversation. Mm. That's brilliant, right? So, But secondly, there were some a very important people. You know, at, at university, there was a professor called Professor Wally Morrow. Okay. Um, and, and I used to disagree with everything he said. Ah. I never disagreed with, and I, but I learned from the example that he said. Ask a question. Right. Try to answer the question. Try mm-hmm. again. Ah, oh, okay. um, try another route. Develop a better response. Mm. Open up the space. Engage with me. I'm your professor, but you can teach me something. So there's a dialogue. And here are some ideas that I've developed. Don't don't believe what I say. Mm. Understand what I'm saying and develop your own ideas. That is Wally Model, right? Mm. Okay. So argument. Right. You um. You know. Remember, I was in the um, uh, anti-apartheid struggle, and mm-hmm. I was I belonged to about. You know, about 10 or so Muslim organizations.
0: MashaAllah.
2: You know, which I eventually became also uh, kind of a leader uh, later on. These the were student organizations. Yes. Youth organizations, community mm-hmm. organizations. And there were people in those organizations, so I won't, I won't mention any of their names because there are too many.
0: Right, right.
2: But I mm. need to say that I am so uh, uh, so appreciative of their contribution because these were great people. These were great intellects,
1: right? Mm.
2: And but they, never, they, never, they never made me feel as if I was inferior. Right. They always made me feel that you can be, you can be better than who you are. And when you come to me, we'll have a conversation about how, that can, how things work and so on and so forth. So in these organizations, I was exposed to many great people. Then... Um, um, uh, uh, and then there are these uh, normal other people Outside in the community And I was for example very very taken in By uh, a struggle activist Who could make a great argument And so on and so forth mm. And all my friends in my various organizations We had great conversations and we all learned from
0: it Allah, absolutely uh, Aspiring role models that you've Came across you know throughout your Journey called life Professor Aslam uh, Life I would think, um, you know, comes across many stresses, many, uh, you know, stress balls that hurl themselves towards you. Uh, How do you, you know, being the academic intellectual and, you know, uh, the person who has conversations at home rather with his family it's such a noble thing, you know, strike the balance between the two?
2: Yes, it, that is an endless struggle. I haven't figured that out. Maybe, inshallah, I mean, one day we will uh, um, figure out how to live a more balanced life.
0: I mean,
2: I life. but if, if someone has great advice in investing, Alhamdulillah, I will pay good money for that <laughs> advice. Alhamdulillah.
0: alhamdulillah.
2: The mm. problem with me is that uh, I have a personality that uh, I always want to be doing something, and that that might be a strength, but it's also a weakness. Why would you want to be doing something? So right. maybe a psychologist can answer that question, but I'm the okay. <laughs> End of the day, I mm. want to be doing things. I want to be seen to be doing. So maybe it's about acknowledgement. I, you know, I need that acknowledgement. Maybe you know, who knows? Uh, and true. so the problem with that is that you do too much.
1: Mm. So if I can tell you too.
2: which committees I currently serve on and whom, or which I was the president, of, which I am currently a president of this of and it, uh, it, uh, editor of that of and author of this, and it's, it's, there are too many things in one's life. Subhanallah. Life. You're living this one life yeah. and you have to do all of it, but you don't really, but you do, and then mm. you end up with enormous. And sometimes, sometimes one gets sick, eh? <laughs> I
1: it's, can I've
2: imagine. I that now. So you got mm. a little bit of high blood pressure from hypertension.
0: Allah, okay.
2: You too have to take a little tablet, you know.
0: Yes, yes, to re- yes. To regulate,
2: and then you, then you discover. Oh, but it's genetic. Mm. Mm. So now you uh, you're on it on a little. <laughs> little high blood for life
0: right right you know right.
2: I tried to, to tell my doctor but I can go on a diet and, and eat properly he said no you, it's genetic you've got to be on this tablet mm. and one day I went to uh, I went on, on a travel for for, for two months and uh, for two weeks and I forgot my tablets at home sure and I didn't Danger. have it and I, did, I, I couldn't get um, um uh, tablets where I was and I came home and voila I was extremely and exceptionally uh, my blood pressure was very high and my cholesterol level levels were high. And he told me, Can you see, you're gonna have to take this for life. So that's the one thing. I took a little tablet. <laughs> right.
0: Right? Mm.
2: Um, I uh tried to I tried to I tried to go to gym once twice maybe uh, three times a week uh, sad to say
0: mm, mashallah. Uh,
2: you know i have friends who run every day and they are out there on Boom road and they're doing the with itico and they're doing his wonderful marathons. and so i used to be a long distance runner uh, 15 years ago i can't do that I don't have enough time <laughs> so i try to go to the gym twice or thrice a, 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 a week but have right. a very light workout um, if if i'm able to and that is a very good festivities, but I, and, and my wife always tells me that, uh, the stress levels are exceedingly high when you actually don't go to the gym. So she sometimes forces me, like this morning,
1: to mm. me
2: to go <laughs> to the gym, for example.
1: So, so, so that mm. is, that
2: is one thing that I struggle with, but I, 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 tend to do. Um, looking after your health. So we, we eat terribly badly when we grow, uh, when we grew up in grassy park,
1: mm. but it was love,
2: it was eat, it was, it was kind of the, the diet of, of, of a working class boy was very active. Mm. All of us, we ate Gatsby's and we ate hot dogs and we ate uh, 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 those kinds of food. Starchy, starchy, oily, sugary Mm. food. Right? That is why we have diabetes. But Uh. about 15 years ago, um, I I, I changed uh, to, to, to cut much of that out. But you know, when it comes to emotional eating, when you've had a very stressful day, that's to, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a packet of grape steers, chips, for example. Oh, mashallah. Uh, right. The, the large packet sometimes uh, helps with the mood and so on, so we fall back into that terrible routine. But over the last 15 years or so, I have been able to cut back about 50 to 60 to 70% on the fats and foods and the starch and so on. But it's still a problem because mm. memory is a powerful thing. That's what we grew up in. That's what, that was what was nice. You know, a, a piece of t- peanut butter and bread in the afternoon. Right that we grew up with,
0: Mm, Uh, wonderful...
2: Uh, but you also have to can't overdo that because that is tick takes you down another line, you know.
0: Absolutely. So.
2: so, yes, so those are the kinds of health issues that one faces.
0: Absolutely. Striking the balance, very important. Yes. They never made me feel inferior. You can be who you are. Yes. Respected listeners of Radio Voice of the Cape, that was Professor Aslam Fatar, all the way from uh, Stellenbosch University, enlightening us through his journey called Life This Afternoon. We say a big, heartfelt thank you and Jazakallah Khair to you for availing yourself this afternoon and in Inshallah, we hope to hear more of you soon
2: shukran Jazakumullah <laughs> muhammad this much appreciated and good luck for, the, for for this program this sounds like a great program
0: alhamdulillah <laughs> alhamdulillah <laughs> JazakAllah <laughs> to you assalamu <laughs> alaikum wa rahmatullah